0: Thank you, Sue. Now, before I begin, uh, I'm hoping that you've all got a copy of this little sheet here, and you've got something to write with, so you can uh, fill in the spaces. If you haven't got something to write with, put up your hand. Oh, Simon here at the front. There's a box of pens somewhere at the back. At the front here. Brilliant. So can I add my welcome to Jeremy's? It's lovely to be gathering together here, be able to sing, and uh, it's not ideal with masks on, but uh, better to be singing and making a step forward. Let me just pray as we begin. Father God, would you please fill our hearts with your love for the church, so we might come to love the church too. In Jesus' name, amen. So this title for our uh, new sermon series, Love Your Church, comes from a new book written by a man called Tony Merida, and that's what it looks like. And let me read to you from the introduction. He says, I want you to be thrilled about being part of a local community of believers. I know that many of us, whether we would say it out loud or not, are not too thrilled when it comes to being part of a church. Others are pro-church, in theory, but not in reality, Christians, and they see church as something good to do, but a bit optional. Many love the idea of the church, but don't actually have fellowship with real believers in a local church, a bit like Curator Collins. Still others have been serving and loving their church, but perhaps they're tired and need encouraging. And there are, he says, what I call the church ninjas. They move so fast, before you can get to the door at the end of the service, they've already left the building. Finally, some people really do love their church, but not quite sure how to love it. Regardless of where you're at, he says, we all benefit by recapturing the New Testament's vision of Christ's church. We can all learn to love the church as Christ calls us to. So over the summer, we're going to have a go at recapturing that vision of the church, and we're going to use six pictures that the Bible gives us of what the church looks like. Here are some of the images. We are a chosen people. That's the theme this morning. We're like a flock of sheep. Not very flattering, but we'll look at that next week. Then a bride is a wedding, a physical body with arms and legs and toes and feet, a temple where God dwells and a family where everyone belongs. And there was that image too, we've just heard of the banquet as well, everyone being invited to this glorious banquet, a feast. So our hope is that this survey will help refresh our love for that which Jesus himself loves. And we'll pick up some tips along the way about how to do that in practice. So today we're looking at the picture that the Apostle Peter gives us of the church as a chosen people. And that's why it's been great to learn that song. I'm going to sing it again after the talk. We are God's people. And writing to these, uh, one of the very first churches in what we would now call Turkey, Peter tells them in chapter 2, verse 9, you are a chosen people. God has chosen them one by one to be part of something far, far greater to be nothing less than the people of God. Once, he says, you were not a people. You were separated by language and tribal loyalties and customs and religions. You couldn't agree on anything. But now you are the people of God. You're united by a common faith. Still diverse, but now wonderfully united. So what does it mean to be a chosen people? Well, in the few verses we've heard read, Peter helps us to understand four things about being chosen. And if you've got your worksheet, you'll see there are four boxes. I know, children, I think you've also got a word search and a coloring sheet as well to keep you busy. But as we go through these four, listen out for... Because on these sheets, there are some missing words. So listen out for what those missing words are and fill them in. And then the idea of the blanks is, is to draw an emoji... To help you describe how you or others might feel to describe this point. So the first thing we're going to learn about being chosen is that we are chosen by God. That's the missing word. We're chosen by God. You see, Krishna isn't someone who first and foremost chooses whether or not they follow God. It's a bit like you couldn't go up to Gareth Southgate and say, I think I'll play centre forward for England the next international match, you could do some with help on the penalty taking. <laughs> we don't do that with football, and we don't do that with God. It's not for us to say, Lord, I've thought it through, and I think I can fit you into my busy schedule. Uh, but you better live up to my expectations, or else I'll move on. No, we are chosen first and foremost by God. He seeks us out and draws us to Him, and He does so on His terms not ours. We are chosen, says Peter, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, which, by which he means that even before we were born, God had us in his sights. We matter to him, and it's wonderfully reassuring that we can be, have that potential of being chosen by God himself, that we are precious to him. But perhaps you're sitting here this morning or watching online asking yourself, well, how can I be sure that I am one of God's chosen people? What part do I have to play to make that certain? Well, if you look at the second half of verse 10, and uh, it might be on the screen. I can't remember if this is going to come up on the screen or not. Uh, I don't think it is. So it's on the back of your uh, service sheets. There's a little phrase there. I'll read it to you. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So that's our part, receiving the mercy of God into our hearts and souls. See, none of us can earn our way into a place amongst God's people. It's simply a gift to be received from a gracious and merciful God. But there has to come a point in our lives where we receive it for ourselves. So that should help us answer the question, am I one of God's chosen people? Have I actively received this mercy into my life? I know for me, there came a point when I was 16 years old, there was a particular moment when I asked God into my life. And uh, if you haven't had that moment, well, perhaps tonight at bedtime, kneel down at your bed and pray a prayer something like this. Father, I don't deserve to be one of your chosen people, but thank you for your mercy shown to me in your Son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, so I might be forgiven. Please help me now to receive that mercy into my heart and then walk with you through the rest of my life. A prayer like that would help us to be sure that we're one of God's chosen people. And when you think about that, you think, how would that make you feel? I think it might make you feel like this. Here's my emoji. <laughs> Happy and, you know, treasured and special. So I, well, I don't know what you want to draw there, but but uh, maybe a big cheesy smiley face would give you a, a sense of how people feel when they know they're part of God's chosen people. Well, let's look at the second point here. Uh, we're also chosen for God. Chosen for for God. And we see that in our key verse today, chapter 2, verse 9, we read, you're a chosen people and a royal priesthood. All of them, not just the ones wearing a dog collar, were to do what priests once did. They're to bring people closer to God and God closer to people. And it's something they were all called to do. In other words, those who are chosen are chosen so that through them, God might choose others and help others to come and be part of his people. They are a royal priesthood because they serve the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one true living God. And one of the ways in which we exercise this royal priesthood is by joining together to declare the praises of him who calls us out of darkness into his marvelous light. And that's something we do best by coming together, he says, to praise this merciful, gracious God in the presence of others. It's something we can do in word, in a conversation, but also in song. I think it's when we sing together or maybe say the Lord's prayer together or a creed together, when we actually speak with one voice, that we become aware that we're not just a A group of individuals, but we're part of something bigger. We're part of the one true living God, and that's the invitation. If we we know we're not part of that yet, to be part of this bigger community that God is building in our world. That, for me, I know, um, uh, particularly sort of uh, uh, sort of hits home when we sing together. It's been wonderful, isn't it, to sing this morning, and it's something. It's been good to do online church when we've been, you know, a lifeline throughout the pandemic, but it can never replace the real thing. That's why I say good to be together in church for those of us that are. So far, second emoji, I thought we might have, you know, a, a singing emoji. I don't know how you... That's the extent of my skills, uh, but what would you draw? Something that, that makes you a picture of, of singing, of joining together. What would you put on your, on your picture? And then the third mark of being part of the chosen people is, according to Peter, that we're chosen to be like God. Like God. You are a chosen people, he says, a royal priesthood and a holy nation. So when someone asks you what nationality you are, what do you say? British or Scottish or English, Welsh, Irish, Ukrainian, Italian, German? How about Christian? Because Peter describes the Christian church here as a nation. We have our own language. We have festivals and rules and customs, and all of which mark us as thinking and living differently from those around us. We are, says Peter, a holy nation. That is a nation a people set apart to be like God. And what is God like? Or well, he is pure in thought, he's just in his dealings, he's opposed to evil, he's committed to doing good, he always tells the truth, he never lies, he's kind and gentle, he's joyful, faithful, he's self-controlled, slow to anger, compassionate, gracious, merciful, abounding in love. And that's what's involved in being like him more and more, a taste of heaven on earth, as we learn to live like that together. Now, I think that's difficult to express in an emoji, but I came up with this one. There we are. That's a nice, simple one to do. But how would you like to describe, maybe, something of that joy of becoming more and more holy, more and more like this God who created us and describes himself to us in all those wonderful ways. Now, for me, I think uh, it's been a joy to be part of God's church since I was uh, 16 years old, and maybe a bit before that as well as I was on that journey to faith. But actually, one of the joys of being Christian is joining this worldwide family. And uh, it came home to me, this part of being a nation distinct from others around us, when I was on a, a mission trip to uh, India, to South India. And uh, this is uh, the, the cathedral in Pallium uh, That's uh, That's in daytime. But then the next slide is what it looks like at Christmas. And uh, I just wonder whether some areas like to sort of pick that up, you know, sort of bright colours, wonderful colours. But it was a joy to go and, and to experience all that that church was doing uh, in helping those who are most in need, in schools and orphanages. There's a picture, I think, of one of the schools that the church was involved with. And the blind and the deaf, uh, there were leper uh, villages as well, and caring for those who were deemed as untouchable in the Hindu caste system and uh, looking after them and caring for them. And all their hospitals and churches and colleges were still run by the church as it would have been here in England 100 years ago. But the whole community could see the difference the church was making as part of being that holy nation. It wasn't perfect, but the churches were full, and, and uh, the cathedral, it was great to go to the cathedral, and uh, they came to ch- when you go to church in India, you take your shoes off. And I wish somebody had told me, because when I arrived uh, that Sunday, I had, was wearing a pair of um, socks that I often wear, which have, they were black socks, but they, have, they were color-coded, you know, sort of the heels and the toes, so that you can keep the pairs, and you know you've, sort of, when you've lost a pair, you've, you know, you've lost a pair. And, uh, and I couldn't work out why all these girls in the front row were sniggering. Uh, but they were pointing. What are they pointing at? And I looked down and I think that they were pointing at these coloured socks I was wearing. But it was a georgie part of this worldwide church. Chosen by God. Chosen for God. Chosen to be like God. And then finally, chosen to be with God. Back to our key verse. You are a chosen people. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, and last all we read, God's special possession. I wonder what your most special possession is. Any give, give, give me a sort of a hint, some feedback? What's your most special possession? You can say don't say your family, because I know that you'll say that anyway, I'm sure. But but what? Your guitar. A guitar, special possession? Anything else that was special possession? A painting that somebody painted for you. Any other special possessions? Your summer house. There we are. Oh, your car. Yes, travel together. Then, did you name your car? Does your car have a name? It has a name. There we are, special possession. Anybody else? What's yours? Your Your bike. Your special possession. (laughs) called William. Oh, there we are. Okay. Well, why not draw that in box four? Your special possession. Isn't it wonderful that God says that we're his special possession? And I found that wonderfully, wonderfully touching and intimate. The phrase, this idea of being a special or a treasured possession actually comes from Exodus, the book of Exodus, chapter 19, verses 4 and 5. It's a phrase, a passage that Peter's got in mind as he writes these verses. And uh, it's God speaking to the prophet Moses, and he says, Tell the Israelites this, you yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, and how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations you will be my treasured possession. And what Peter is saying here is that that, uh, now that Jesus has come, that mantle has passed to his church. Those who follow Jesus are the apple, the very apple of God's eyes. They are his treasure, that which he values most. So you can have an emoji there. He values most on earth and on into eternity. And of course, God cares for all that he's made and calls us to be good stewards of his world. But only the church is his special possession. It's the only part of this creation that will make it into the next promised world. And it's, of course, where his own spirit resides in the heart of each and every Christian. So we are that precious to him that he longs to come into our lives, and he knows us each by name, and he longs to spend each day with us, And that is the joy of being a follower of Christ, that we're in a relationship with God. It's a day-by-day relationship. It is a very, very great privilege to be chosen to be with him. And it's nothing to do with us. It should never lead to an arrogant, well, you know, I'm better than you attitude. All the glory goes to God because it's all down to his mercy. And so it should make us grateful, not arrogant. And if that's how the Heavenly Father, our God, views the church, isn't that how we should view the church too? If it's his treasured possession, shouldn't it be our treasured possession too? It is worth our time, our money, our energy, and our love. Love me, says Jesus, love my church. And where the church is not as strong as it is in a country like India, we need all the more, don't we, to stand together through these days. So we are If we've received the mercy of God into our hearts, one of a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, and God's special possession, we are chosen by God and for God to be like God and to be with God. For me, becoming a Christian began by coming into contact with real believers of my own age as a teenager. Faith grew in that context But it wasn't until I left school and uh, did a bit of traveling in a gap year, um, went to the other side of the world, and I ended up in New Zealand on a Sunday morning. I became aware that I was part of something bigger. I was in the staggeringly beautiful place called the Bay of Islands. I didn't know a soul, and I thought, I'm going to go to church. I was a young Christian. And I looked up the service time and went along. Happened to be the oldest church in New Zealand. And I helped with the service with the English, not Maori. I would have been a bit stuck otherwise. But I received a warm welcome. And I came away with a sense that here I was on the other side of the world. And yet here was God's people. I was part of God's people. I was amongst friends. I still belonged. And wherever I've traveled whether it was uh, in India or South Africa, where I lived for a time, I've seen the Church of Christ alive and active, richly diverse in language and dress and diet, and yet sharing the same faith and trust in Jesus Christ, part of this worldwide people of God. For me, being a Christian, being part of the Church of Christ has been the greatest comfort in my life, the greatest challenge and the greatest adventure that I could ever have had. And I hope that you'll be part of that adventure too throughout your life. Let's pray together. Father God, would you please make clear in our hearts whether we're one of your chosen people. And if we're not, Lord God, give us that desire to be part of your people. And I pray that you would help us and bring us to that point where we want to pray, Lord, please pour your mercy and grace into my heart and make me one of yours. And help us then, Lord, to be as your chosen people, signposts to our world of this royal priesthood, of this holy nation, that we're your special possession. And that's not something we want to keep to ourselves. It's open to everyone. So, Lord, please, would you grow your church, your people, here in Chesham and across the world. In Jesus' name, amen. Sometimes in church, you hear a slot called the TTT, which is this time tomorrow. And uh, people come up front and we hear about uh, what they do on a Monday morning at the same time as church meeting on a Sunday morning. Uh, we're to do something called TTNS. Can you guess what that is? This time next Sunday. This time next Sunday. And what we want to do is to give you a sort of week by week, take what we've learned uh, and then say, okay, how will that affect and shape how we come to church next Sunday? So today we've been thinking about being a chosen people. And what I'd like you to do is, just for a minute or so, uh, turn to somebody uh, near you, next to you, and uh, there'll be a bit of music, uh, background I'm hoping will come on, and just think, taking from what we've learned this morning, how might that shape the way your thinking might be in terms of when you walk through church next Sunday? So have a chat amongst yourselves for a few moments, this time next Sunday. How is what we've learnt this morning going to shape your thoughts for next Sunday? Okay. Right, well, do carry on those conversations afterwards. And here is just a, a, a thought uh, of some things we can take away. Um, there's a lot about passports at the moment, aren't there? Vaccine passports. So in terms of a church passport, what would that be? Uh, coming to church next, next week, uh, name, chosen person. We're a chosen person. That, that, that privilege uh, of every Christian believer. And then uh, occupation. Royal priest, how about that? Royal priest. And a sense we're coming here to, to sing and to lift God's praises together. Uh, nationality, holy nation, holy, Christian, holy nation. And uh, so sometimes when we come to that point in the service when we have the confession, and you think, uh, you know, do I need to say the confession this week? Yes, we do, in that sense of we're on that journey, aren't we, of, of becoming more and more like God. we need to put, put aside uh, one week in order to embrace. A fresh week with God. And then finally, you know, you get on the inside of your passport, that sense of Her Majesty asks you to look after this person wherever they may find themselves. Well, how about this this phrase, the God of heaven wishes everyone to know that the bearer of this passport is my treasured possession. So as we come to church next week, know that uh, God wants us to be here. We are so special to him. Uh, Let's come to church with that thought next week. I'm gonna hand back to Jeremy, who's going to take us through the bands and some notices.